Hey, it's Andy from Talking to Teens. It would mean the world to us if you could leave us a five-star review. Reviews on Apple and Spotify help other parents find the show, and that helps us keep the lights on. Thanks for being a listener, and here's the show. You're listening to Talking to Teens, where we speak with leading experts from a variety of disciplines about the art and science of parenting teenagers. I'm your host, Andy Earle. We're here today with Leslie Josell talking about her book, How to Do It Now Because It's Not Going Away, an expert guide to getting stuff done. Leslie is an award-winning academic life coach for teens and college students, and she runs a company called Order Out of Chaos, where she helps teens learn the skills to succeed in school and in life. She's a huge expert on time management skills and how to help teens beat procrastination and start managing their time better and getting things done. Really excited to talk about some very creative ways to help your teens study, learn the material better, and enjoy it more. Leslie, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I got a copy of this book, How to Do It Now Because It's Not Going Away, An Expert Guide to Getting Stuff Done. So, Talk to me about what inspired this, uh, what do you do, what is Order Out of Chaos, and how did this become a book? Okay, ask me, wait, that was a lot of questions. Um, <laughs> okay, so what you have to know is, I, I'm, I always like to say this, I am a lot older than I look. So I have, <laughs> um, I have been at this for 17 years, and what you have to know is it all started with my son. And what I found 17 years ago is that there wasn't a lot out there in regards to ADHD, learning disabilities, um, ways to help that, that kind of student untangle their world. Remember, there was really no internet. There really was no, you know, it wasn't as like forceful as it is now. There were no conferences and podcasts and all that. So I really had to make up a lot of things right. on my own. I'm not going to go into the whole story. I say, go to my website. There's a great story on how I literally was going at the time, door to door, family to family, helping them help their students untangle their world, particularly those with ADHD, to now having a global virtual company whose mission it is to help students be successful in learning and in life. We have over 75,000 parents who show up to us um, you do not have to have ADHD or executive dysfunction because we firmly believe in what I call universal learning. Mm. And what universal learning is, is that what is good for one segment of the population is good for everybody. So everything we talk about at Order Out of Chaos, even though it might be geared to ADHD or learning difficulties, stuff like that, it's really for every student. Trust me, every kid has time management issues. Everybody. Yeah, right. Everyone could get better at studying, exactly. homework, of some of these basic things, getting stuff done on time, not being stressed out about exactly. it. Exactly. Yes. In fact, actually, I think I could use some well, of that. So, okay. That's <laughs> and that's it. Everybody procrastinates. I mean, over 75 to 80%, and you are the science guy, 75 to 80% of students between the ages of 
13 and like 18 procrastinate on a significant basis. That is across the board. So that is actually, this is my third book, but I really wanted to write a book that was not ADHD specific. I wanted to write a book that was student specific. And I forgot to say, I actually am though an academic life coach. That is what I do for kids with ADHD and LD. But what I wanted to do was write a book um, because I spend my everything I've ever written. My other two books were parent focused. My weekly column, Fratitude Magazine, is parent focused. The webinars we do at Order Out of Chaos are parent focused. But I spend every day with students. Sure. So I'm like, you know, it's time to write a book that is for students written in their language. So that is really why, because there isn't anything out there. There's no book written for students about their procrastination and why they procrastinate and why students procrastinate is very different than why adults do. Okay, well, so talk to me about that. What uh, What's the difference? Isn't it the same the same thing? Well, I'm not saying it's not completely black and white. There is some, there is some gray. But what you have to also okay. remember about students specifically is not again. Nothing is absolute. We always want to say that you know everybody shows up differently, right? We need to have that caveat. Every kid is different, same way adults are. But for the most part, your students' time. And what they're, what they're asked to do is not their own. It's not their own choice. So mm. like we as adults, like, yes, I know we have to work and maybe that might not, but yet <laughs> there's that inner like- we have some obligations. We have obligations and our brain has matured enough to understand, I need to do this because of the consequence that might not happen. But a lot of what adults do is very adult directed. I'm, I mean, something as simple as I want to clean out the garage. I know I need to pay my bills. There's a very much an internal motivation to get those things done. I would say most things that kids have to do are not, they're not, they're not, think about it, right? You're going, wow, she's right. It's not their entire day. (laughs) So not only is their time not their own, their time is not their own. What they have to do is not their own. And they want some control. They want some power. I don't want to say power in a bad way, but they would like some control and some decision-making as to how, not only what they have to do, but more importantly, how they get it done. And that is where they get the control. Yeah, They might not have the control of what, but they do have the control of how. I hear that. It's like this, even with uniforms, you know, um, how can I find at least just a little bit of a unique way exactly. to wear this right. or put just a right. little something on right. a flare? It's like as a teenager, you're even told what to wear. You're told how you can and can't, when you can and can't go to the bathroom, uh, you know, every little thing. And so any ways that you can find a little bit of autonomy and ways to carve out, you know, right. some, some freedom for right. yourself. And then the other point that I think is hugely important, and this is something that I spend, I would say all day, every day telling parents is that a lot of the procrastination your students are facing is skill-based or a lack of skill. Students, you know, this is all brain-based. So if you have a student who really is lagging on understanding time or understanding how to study, it's not gonna happen. It's just not going to happen. If they lack the skill to do something, they're, trust me, most kids do not show up going, how can I piss off my parents today? Or how can I really do something, right? I'm sorry, they don't. 
a lot of it is not that they don't want to, they don't know how to. And we need to really kind of rip that apart and figure out where that break in the chain is for them and better support them so that they do have the skills and the knowledge to get done what they need to get done. Those are the two, I look, there's a thousand differences, but those are probably the two biggest ones. You talk about the importance of building a time sense Oh yeah. that, you know, before you can really get too far into any of this stuff, you need to at least start getting a sense of how long stuff actually takes and getting better at estimating how long something's going to take, which I think is so important because uh, we've all had the experience of being late to something because it's just took way longer to get there than we thought. It took longer to get ready than we thought. Or having being up the last day before a presentation because it took way longer <laughs> to get our PowerPoint done that we, yeah, right? Uh, on and on, on and, and on. On and on and on. Yeah. And it's so interesting, everything you just said. So time is my thing. Like time is my jam. I love talking about time because it's the one thing we all have the same amount of. Yeah. But yet how we use it and how we show up about it. Sometimes when I'm like, like I said, when I'm tired, I kind of joke that time is almost like another person in the room. It has a massive personality all of its own because we're constantly like fighting with it. We're fighting about it. We're thinking about it, yet it's invisible. So here's my overview of about time. And I'm actually going to do this for a minute because I want you to see what's behind me. You see that thing on my... I, this is the, this is the good. There's a round. There's a round. Uh, I have seen those thing. those old things that old. they used to use those back in the past. I think yeah. it's got some hands on it. I'm not sure. It what is I'm called gonna... an analog clock. Now here, and I'm like, I literally have to say, like, do you even know what an analog is? Not students. You'd be surprised. There are parents that don't even remember what analogs are. But here's my like caveat about time. If you cannot see time, you cannot manage it. And it stops right there. There's nothing like, there's no debate there, right? It's no debate. If you cannot see it, you cannot manage it. So the biggest thing that has to happen with your student or you, and you said all of those things, but what all of those things really mean is you need to always know where you sit in time, where you are in relationship to the rest of your day. Because I want you all to think about being on a boat in the middle of the ocean or wherever, and you don't see land around you, you are completely unmoored. You are completely like off, like, right? You're kind of off your game. That's yeah. not having a time sense. So what people don't realize is that time is actually three-dimensional, right? It's not invisible. Time has a beginning, middle, and end, right? Time is a future, time is a past. And the way to really be able to find that time sense is you have to be able to see time move. So all of us are really good about looking at this thing, right? <laughs> but if you notice, yep. it gives you what? It gives you one time only and it gives you the present. So if I was to say to you, can you show me on your, on your phone like what 10 minutes from now looks like? Or can you show me what 10 minutes ago or how much time has passed from when you started doing X? You can't answer that, but an analog can. Because what happens with time is your child or student, however you wanna say it, needs to be able to see it move 
so that they can picture, I always say you pictured the end. You have to be able to see where you sit in time. So I want you to picture this because this is a very cool like visual. If your student is either sitting in class or sitting on a Zoom call and they're like done, put a fork in them, right? They're like, oh my God, when is this gonna end? The first thing they look for is time. They look to see, okay, how much more time do I have left? Seriously, <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. I remember sitting remember? in class and watching the clock until 3 p.m. so we can right. get out of here. But didn't you play with it in your own mind? Weren't you like, okay, I've got 10 minutes left. I can like, okay, I can do this. I got 10 minutes left. I'm going to like finish this out because you can pause, yep. you can picture the end, and you can pace yourself. So time is huge in somebody being able to activate because again, if you don't know where you sit in time, this is you, uh, where, like, you know what I mean? You're just, you're lost at sea. You're lost at sea. Yeah. So that's my, that's my, that's my time tutorial for the day. <laughs> I could spend this whole time well, talking about time, but I know we have other things to chat about, but it's that important. parents are not immune to this. Uh, how often are we with our kids late to stuff because we fail to take into account how long it was going to take to get everything going? Right. Um, and it's easy to say, wow, my kid is terrible at guess at scheduling and always is underestimating how long things are going to take. And well, that's pretty hard conversation to have, but if you can kind of... But you don't always have to have the conversation. This is where parents, because I get a lot of this like, well, what if I'm not great at time? So here's my another little like soundbite for all of you. The more you can externalize time, the more you internalize mm -hmm. it. Okay, what do I mean by that? So I'm pretty time managed. I'm literally one of the top time management experts in the world and voted that. So here's somebody who is like pretty much a time management expert. I have in my office, is my home office, I have an analog clock, that's one, right? I have a yep. phone that I use to remind me, okay, Leslie, you've got a phone call. That is time, I've gotta be somewhere, that's two. Yeah, yeah, I get the 10 minute reminder right? on the calendar thing popping exactly. up. Exactly, yep, so that's yeah. two. I have a calendar, a monthly calendar, that's three. I have a yep. timer. That's four, and I have a planner that I use. So I have five things within my orbit that helps me externalize time, and I'm time managed. So I have five things. So if I have five things that help me, if it's external, helps me internalize, I kind of say to parents, what do you have in your house? Do you have an analog in every room your child spends time in? including the bathroom, especially if you have a teen at home, there better be a clock in the bathroom. In fact, there should be two. <laughs> I'm a real, there's gotta be one in the shower. Sorry, but it's true. Uh, well, yeah, you can take long yeah, showers. Yeah, shower, right. There should be one by the sink, but there needs to be, do you have analogs in every room? Do you have timers? Do you have calendars? Do you have wall, whatever it is. But the more you can externalize time, the more you and your student or child, I call them students, just easier, will internalize it. I hope that makes sense. And I say that all the time. And that's like the aha moment. 
that's when parents go, oh my God, I never thought of it that way. But it does, because what happens is not everything has to be like, you need to learn this. A lot of it seeps in, you know what I mean? We, it's our brains. We, when we see things over and over again, we absorb them. So if you have these supports in your home to help teach your child time, it will start to manifest organically. Yep. And just having it hitting you in the face all the time, all the time. is so huge because then it's like, oh, whoa, actually, wait a minute. Hey, I got, I'm supposed to be getting this done by, and exactly. wow, I'm our judge just wasted 10 minutes and whatever. Right. And then, yeah, you see that hand ticking and um, it brings you, it centers you back. It kind of keeps bringing your awareness to where you are and how, um, whether you're ahead of schedule or behind schedule or, um, yep. you know, you, you keep, you're, you got it. That's exactly it. And to your point, Whenever I work with students, I always say to them, I want you to work time over task. So again, as parents, we're really good about going like, just go get your math homework done before dinner. Did you get it done? Yeah, finish that, that assignment. What does that mean though? If your child can't see the end, remember we're seeing the end. But if, you're, but if you say, why don't you go work for 20 minutes before dinner? It will help your child activate because 20 minutes is a beginning, middle, and end. Yep. Your child's more apt to start because they can see the finish. Remember, we have to see time to manage it. You know, we've talked about that previously on the podcast in terms of letting your kid know how long this conversation is going to take. Hey, uh, really want to talk about X topic. I know it's not a fun thing to talk about. This is only going to take 15 minutes, whatever. Um, and, you know, even setting a little timer. Uh, we had a guest who was talking about how she <laughs> used to make this rule with her teenagers that anything they brought up in the car uh, during a car ride, um, as soon as they got home, the conversation would be over and she would never bring it up again. So they could just any, they could talk about anything during the car ride. And she said, she was like, Oh, I got gold that way. I got really good stuff because they would, you know, bring stuff up like three blocks away from the house. Um, when they, when they knew, Hey, uh, and it's like exactly what you're talking about. It's an external and you have a very good feel for how long it's going to take to drive three blocks or whatever. So it then makes you feel safe to bring something up and say, oh, hey, mom, anyways, by the way. <laughs> you know? I um, love that. And, I actually, it's funny yep. you said that. I, not so much now, my kids are older, but when my kids were younger, we actually did do that. When we needed to have a conversation, particularly for my, for my child who had, had the focusing challenges, we would set a timer and say, this is how long this conversation is going to take. Can you hold and that's really, really great because again, I am an ADHD expert and our executive functioning. And what that is, is the effort level. I always say your kid can't sit on high alert forever, not knowing how long it's going to be, right? That's why, a lot. Right. and so there, I, you're putting the parameters around time there, but, but what you're doing again, and I, I know I sound like a broken record, but I think it's worth repeating is you're making time visual. So. I love, love, love that. And the car ride's cool because then you can feel it too. Oh, it's like also that. it's physical. You're moving through it, you know. So yeah, yeah, getting all those senses involved. But I even do that. I'm gonna. This is like has nothing to do with the book, but it's just a great tip. I get asked all the time. Like, remember, I work with parents whose kids have challenges. So if they catch their kid lying, not a massive mm -hmm. lie. I'm not talking about like stealing or things like. But you know, like 
kid saying I did my, of course I did my homework and the page is empty, you know, like those kind of like crazy, ridiculous lies where, you know, the kid goes, I didn't eat the powdered donut and his face is like, you know, full of cups. <laughs> all over your place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What we don't do, and again, it's a little bit of a time thing, is we don't we don't have the conversation right then and there. We actually do the opposite. We say, you know what? I'm going to give you till eight o'clock tonight. Give you a few hours to collect your thoughts, figure out your story. And then we're going to meet at eight o'clock. And then we're going to have the conversation. I know it's not a time thing, but it reminds me very much of like the car thing. It's kind of the opposite of the car thing. We're giving everybody a chance for their brain, for for the parents' brain to calm down, and the child's yep. brain to rev up, because most kids, we know, we, we call it, you know, fight or flight, but they also freeze or fib. <laughs> so I'm adding that to the list. We don't want to freeze, and if your child is caught like this, they're going to freeze. They're just going to freeze, and you're only you're you're going to go up, and they're going to go down. So by pro postponing the conversation, you're going down and your child has a chance to collect his thoughts, get his brain wrapped around it, and everybody now meets in the middle. And it gives your kid a little bit of a sense of control. And I like doing that also, and then even giving them a little bit of a choice. So, hey, you know, let's talk about this later. Um, You know, do you want to go for a walk or sit on the back porch? Let's talk about this later is six o'clock before dinner or after dinner, you know, just so, so that, you know, it's still going to happen. We're still going to talk about this, but just, it's like we were talking about earlier, giving them just a little bit of feeling of autonomy, giving them some sort of a way that they can have some sort of control, I think is huge. You, you and I are totally on the same page. And my mantra is, (laughs) it is my, my mantra always is it's a parent's job to set parameters, but it's a child's job to negotiate them. Back porch in the car, right? Pick, 417, 423, you know what I mean? To start 20 your minutes, what about 10? Right. Okay, it's, 15, yeah, I don't right. know, but it's I, okay. But I, but I believe I agree with you that the choice and the autonomy is, is I think, critical. One thing that they always recommend people do when you're trying to get more healthy or change your diet or change your exercise is to just spend a week or two writing down, keeping track of everything that you're currently eating or currently what is everything that you do that's active and writing everything down so that then you can start to just, you know, make small changes, figure out what's going on. But I think it's also does exactly what you're talking about here is it brings awareness to it. It puts it down on paper and by physicalizing it, then now it makes it easier for you to see what's really going on and see what you're doing instead of just kind of going through the motions and feeling like you're in that boat, just getting kind of swept along. So I I like that you have this idea of uh, tracking your time, spending a week tracking kind of everything that you're doing throughout the day and starting to see really what are you actually spending your time on? Yes. And I'm going to say this, like when I have kids do it, I'm, I'm very, mindful that they don't have to tell me certain things they can group it no (laughs) i work with teens and college students and i want to kind of make that clear to them but um, i i do it for a lot of oh there's a gap in here between 8 30 and 8 45 to say is friends or personal time i don't care (laughs) because they all deserve it but what it also does is and it's exactly what you said and i get this all the time you know from parents, like the buy-ins and the conversations. And I'm like, sometimes a conversation doesn't need to be had. Sometimes the data mm. speaks for itself. Yep. 
self-confrontation. That's what we always used to try and uh, achieve in my research. You know, we're trying to confront people about their alcohol use. Um, you know, you don't want to say, hey, you drink too much. You want to just say, hey, look, here's how much you drink. And, you know, here's how much everyone else in your class drinks. And um, here's how they compare. And it looks like you're in the top 10%. Right. Um, interesting. Right. You know, uh, what, do you, right. what do you think about that? Here's the data. That? What do you think? Right. Right. Here's right. Data. No you. need to say, so you're going to need to start doing that less. Um, right. You know, just we, we can let them confront themselves sometimes. And, right. you know, yeah, this this helps you achieve that same thing. It's exactly. You don't need to necessarily go and sit through, go through every hour with them and say, oh, it looks like you wasted an hour. No, uh, no, no. We don't want afternoon. that. But <laughs> right. we kind of look at it and say, well, what do you, you know, we can, once they do it. And I th- it's a very funny thing. Like, I, I think some people would go like kids really do it. Actually, they do. And they actually really like it. Because it's, I don't know, it's game-like, it's fun. And again, I don't make them go like, okay, every 15 minutes. Like if you're hanging out, if it's your personal time, I just want that. Like, I don't need to know what you did in that personal time. I just want to know what's the difference with your personal time and study. There's so much aha moments. And I love how you said it, that come out of that, that is very much a self, self, you know, like revealing. Like, oh, I didn't know I did that. And again, Wrapping all the way back to the beginning, and I'm, I'm only bringing it up because we talk a lot about, I feel I talk a lot about this in the book, is that a lot of what makes somebody procrastinate are these almost like self-fulfilling prophecies of like, well, this is just how I do things and I guess it just sucks, right? Or I've just been called lazy my whole life, so I guess I'm just lazy. And I'm like, ah, no, too easy. You don't get to do that. Like, you know, it's funny. I come from that position. Like that's a cop out and you yep. don't get to, you don't get to do that. You get to throw yourself a pity party for a little bit, but then you got to back the car out of the one way street and we got to get, we got to move on. And the moving on yeah. is going, Oh, that's what's getting in my way. And when they do it, it's a beautiful thing because there's obviously way more buy-in. And for me, data driven information is kind of where I get the buy-in because it's not me versus them or a parent versus them or a teacher versus them. It's them versus them. And I'm just facilitating the, so what do you think about that? Or how is that working for you? And it kind of comes to light. We're here with Leslie Josell talking about how to help your teens get things done. And we're not done yet. Here's a look at what's coming up in the second half of the show. Any way you can move your child around, giant post-its, whiteboards, whatever you can afford, it, it, it just, it, it engages the brain in a way that sitting in one place drains it. I never look at a planner and say, you're using your planner so you know what you have to do. That's not what a planner does. That's a to-do list. I look at a planner and ask you, when do you have time to do it? But for my purposes, I don't like the word study. It has such a visceral reaction, as you know. I actually like the word practice because most kids understand what practice means. I I would guarantee that most parents out there would say their kid practices something. It could be a sport, an instrument, dance, theater. It doesn't matter. Art, it doesn't matter. But your kid understands that to practice something means to get better at it. Practice has a beginning, middle, and an end. 
And I'm wrapping it all the way back to the beginning of our conversation when I talked to you about time and how there always has to be a beginning, middle and end for your child to activate. And it's not enough to activate, they have to stay the course. So why does your child who knows, I know before I get to play a soccer game, I have to do practice first and they show up and they know I have to do this and there will be an end to it. But there's a beginning, middle and end. I am gonna get better. It's habit forming. So I like to use the word, not, not go study. You're not going to study math. You practice math. Go practice your vocab words. Go play around with, I like to use words that are very verb centric and that kids really kind of can relate to that. But study is too vague and it puts too much cognitive load on the brain. Want to hear the full interview? Sign up for a subscription today. You get unlimited access to all the interviews I've conducted. It's completely affordable. And your subscription helps support the work we do here at Talking to Teens. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time.